You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it Money Pit is presented by Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. On a very, very warm summer day. Well, I guess we should expect it. These are the dog days of summer. If you're warm and you're spending time inside your house looking about thinking, mm, I got some stuff to change here, or you're outside thinking, I could use some more shade. How can I make that happen? Whatever's on your to-do list for projects now or in the future, we would love to help you get those done. The first thing you need to do, though, the first item on your to-do list is to call us, 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. We'll do our best to coach you through it, to give you some tips, some advice, some ideas, maybe suggest some products that you didn't think about or some ways to approach your project that might be a bit easier than what you thought it was going to be. Whatever's on that to-do list, slide it over to ours by reaching out at 888 888- Money Pit. And coming up on today's show, if you're hoping to sell your home this summer or fall, one of the most nerve-wracking parts of the process is the home inspection. And I know this because as a longtime home inspector, I was one of the people causing all of that stress. (laughs) (laughs) But it also means I know how to set you up for success in that part of the transaction. So we're going to talk about that just ahead. And hardwood floors are one of the most desirable floors around for both durability and the value that they do add to your home. But the finishes wear, and then the floors need to be sanded and refinished. And I can tell you, as much of a DIYer that I am, this is really one project that it truly is best left to a pro. So we're going to have some tips on how you can get that project done. And we are all about helping you find ways to save money. And that includes on your homeowner's insurance. And it turns out some pretty small home improvements can help cut those insurance costs down to size. We'll share those tips as well. But first, give us a call. We'd love to hear what you are working on. You know, we're running out of time for the summer season, so you got to get those outdoor spaces in tip-top shape. And we're getting ready to be holed up inside again come the fall, so let us help you get your projects done. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. All right, Pat in Michigan, tell us what's going on with the leak. Uh, yes, uh, we had some shingles that blew up and the water got underneath and, and it leaked and then onto my ceiling. You know, we had high winds with, uh, like we call side, you know. And uh, so I've had the roof uh, repaired, but I still have some leak uh, water stains on my ceiling. And I'm trying to figure out how to cover them up, uh, you know, without having to paint all of the ceiling. And my ceilings have never been painted. It's just raw uh, drywall, but it's been textured. Now, since this was storm damage, did you think to call your homeowner's insurance company? No, because it's there's only three little 
Like one is a dime size, one is a quarter size, and the other one's like a dollar bill size. Well, just for future reference, whenever you have shingles that blow off and leaks occur, that is why you pay for homeowner's insurance. So small or big, um, that's the kind of thing that's covered. Uh, you know, if it was a worn-out roof, that's that's one thing. But if you have storm damage where shingles blow off and water gets in, then you could have had that whole ceiling repainted at the expense of your insurance company. But, okay, we're past that now. So the question is, how do you deal with those stains? Whenever you have a water stain on a ceiling, you have to prime that spot. Since there's small spots like that, you can spot prime it, which basically means just to prime over those little spots themselves. And then you'll paint over that. Uh, you'll have to, if, if you don't have some of the original paint, you're going to have to pick up something that matches. There is no paint. This is just drywall, textured drywall, and they did not paint the drywall. They never painted the drywall? No. Ceilings here are not painted unless you ask for it. Okay. Well, all I can tell you is if you want to get rid of the stain, you have to prime it. You have to prime on top of it. If you don't prime on top of it, anything that you put over that is going to leak right through. So it might be time to think about painting the ceiling, Pat. Oh, boy. Okay, well, thank you very much. I certainly do appreciate your time. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You go from Missouri. You've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? I've got a leaky basement. Is there anything that can be done besides tearing up the whole outside and redoing it? Yeah, that's exactly not what you want to do. So the reason basements leak is because of drainage conditions that form at the foundation perimeter. So we're talking about things like gutters that are overflowing or downspouts that are too close to the foundation perimeter or soil that's sloping. Do you know that sloping into the house or soil that's flat. Do you notice if this leakage gets worse after heavy rainfalls? Yes, that's the only time it does leak is after a real heavy rainfall. So that's really good news, is that means this has nothing to do with a rising water table. This has everything to do with the water that's basically just forming around the foundation perimeter, and that's something that's fairly easy to deal with. So I want you to do a couple of things. Look carefully at the gutter system. You want to make sure the gutters exist, that the gutters have downspouts that discharge at least four to six feet from the foundation perimeter. And then you want to take a look and make sure that you have one downspout for every six to 800 square feet of roof surface. So just kind of stand back and try to estimate that in your head so we know you have enough downspouts. Okay. Now, typically when they put downspouts in, they turn them out a foot or so and dump them into a splash block. And you'll notice that that water will just sit right there and collect the foundation perimeter. So you want to make sure they go out at least, like I said, four to six feet. Now, the second thing is you also want to make sure that the soil at the foundation perimeter slopes away. If you have to add soil to do that, add clean, fill dirt, tamp it down really super well, and make sure it drops about six inches over four feet. Those two things will stop your basement from leaking. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Amy from Iowa is on the line with a roofing project gone awry. What's going on? We do. We do have a troublesome roof. Um, about five years ago, we got a new roof installed on our house. Um, we were having a leaking problem, um, some ICMs in the winter, and uh, we got the whole roof replaced. And since then, um, we continue to have a leak. The problem never got solved, and uh, we are stuck with this issue once again. So. We're kind of stuck at this point, wondering if we go back to the original contractor and try to get him to replace or fix the problem, or if we go elsewhere and have somebody completely 
replace and redo the entire roof. Well, first of all, when it comes to the contractor, has the contractor come back since the roof installation to address this yet? Yes. Um, In the past couple of years, um, we actually have contacted him and told him about the issue and that it never was fixed. He did send out his roofing guy, a subcontractor, and nothing ever got solved. They said, oh, it looks fine. We don't think it's really going to be an issue. And then we have water pouring in our living room and buckets on the carpet. So so they never did anything? Yes. All right. Now, tell me about the roof configuration, um, like over the area where the leak is showing. Right. Um, we have been told, um, after having all of these other professionals come out, that we have a very tricky roof. Um, the design of the house, I guess, is not the greatest. Um, basically, a lot of dead valleys is what they told us. So we have dead valleys that's um, holding the water and creating these problems where the water is sitting and coming in, um, which is causing our, our leak inside of the house. So what you say dead valleys means the water getting trapped in the valley? Yes. So basically, the, um, the roof line is coming to a point where it runs right into the siding. Oh, okay. So basically, the roof drains towards the siding? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that's a really tough spot. Hmm. Okay, so if that's the case and it's just not fixed, it's just not working, I I think most likely you have to not only take the roof off, but probably some of the siding. Because what you have to have there is a special type of flexible flashing that will essentially seal the siding to the roof. You probably also would want to cover that entire area of the roof with ice and water shield, which is sort of a bit tacky and will give you that waterproof capability and also stop ice dams from coming up under the shingles. But Grace makes both ice and water shield and some very flexible flashings. Grace uh, uh, is a terrific building building products manufacturer, so you can look up some of those. But I do think you're probably going to have to redo that, especially if you have an area where water is running into it. That's a really common place for a leak. And frankly, this roofer that came out and looked at it and said everything's fine, he doesn't know because he didn't take anything apart. And, And if you've gotten leaks underneath that, it's not so fine. So you certainly could take another run at the contractor, but I suspect it's going to have to be taken apart and, and rebuilt properly. That didn't happen the first time. Right. So do you suggest, you know, going back to the original contractor? At least once. Yeah. If he's willing to do any repairs, I mean, honestly, I am hesitant to have any of his crew come out. He did tell us that the people that worked on our roof no longer work for him, but yeah. I still am very hesitant to have the same um you know, the same contractor come out and try to make repairs when when we've had other reputable roofing companies come out and say it's the worst installation job they've ever seen. So that oh, makes that makes me really nervous as a homeowner. Well maybe in that situation if you've just not if you've just completely lost confidence in the contractor and then maybe you should just uh, accept the inevitable and have a more professional roofer come out and fix it right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's that's a tough one. The problem is when you have that kind of a hidden leak like that, it's really hard to do any kind of repair from the surface of the roof. It really is an in a matter where you have to take things apart and reassemble them because making that roof waterproof starts underneath the shingles. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it just wasn't done right the first time, so... So we're stuck in the same spot, unfortunately. All right, Amy. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You know, there's a wide range of skills that roofers have. And the majority of the roofs that are replaced today, 
don't need a really, really skilled roofer to do. It's kind of hard to screw it up. You know, your standard sort of two-story colonial or cape, and those are pretty easy roofs to install. When you get an older house that's got a lot of angles to a roof, that requires a somebody who's a real good technician, a real master roofer that can configure the flashing underneath the roof shingles and use the latest products to keep that leak free. And when you get your average quality roofer that looks at a place like that, they think they can do it and clearly they cannot do it. I mean, that's like trying to install a flat roof. You know, you, you've got to make sure it can hold water against gravity. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT.
Well, if you're a home seller, the buyer's home inspection can feel like a scene from a really bad reality show. But if you survive the experience without blowing a fuse, a big payoff awaits. Now, the home inspection is critical to the sale of your home. It's included in every home purchase contract, and it happens right after the contract is signed. Now, with the buyers in tow, the home inspector is going to perform a two to three hour review of your home's structural and mechanical condition. They're going to look in every nook and cranny while evaluating everything from the roof to the basement. Now, the inspector might also test for radon gas or check for wood-destroying insects. And when it's all over, the inspector is going to issue a very detailed report to that home buyer. Now, unexpected results can lead to more negotiation, which is why more smart home sellers are getting their own home inspection done well before a buyer is involved. It really is a good investment that you might want to consider making because it really gives you an advantage. Yeah, you do not want to be in the position of, of getting that news that your furnace uh, has cracked and needs to be replaced You know, when you're in the middle of a transaction because you've already negotiated down as far as you want to go. The buyer has offered as much as they want to pay, and it's just a very stressful time of the transaction. Now, speaking of stress, here is a tip from my 20 years of experience doing home inspections for buyers. Don't be home when the inspection is going on. Yes, I'm talking to you, Mr. and Mrs. Seller. I know it's nerve-wracking, but trust me, when I say nothing good is going to come out of you being there, you know, if you stalk the inspector, it makes it really difficult for him or her to freely discuss his findings, what he's seeing, to ask and answer buyer questions. Plus, the buyers see you as having something to hide. It may be the farthest thing from your mind, but they see you they see you kind of sticking close to the inspection. They think you're hiding something. And I have often heard home sellers justify staying around because they thought we might have questions. We don't, and you'll be only in the way. So you paid your realtor a lot of money to represent you. Let them represent you at the home inspection, and it's better to find something else to do for a few hours. Bob in South Dakota is dealing with a drywall issue. What's going on at your house? Uh, we have a 1990s home, and um, we had sheetrock nails that were put in that began popping uh, mainly toward the ceiling area and corners, inside corners especially. And we had a contractor uh, do redo some. We redid some ourselves. Uh, one of the things they did and we did is we just drove the nails in and covered them and put a screw maybe two to three inches from it, but the nails reappeared after we did it. What's the answer? Well, it, it would it would if if he just drove it back in and didn't put a second nail that overlaps it. Well, and then it's in the same hole, so it's given the same movement area. Now, what Tom mentioned with the second nail is, you're right, putting a screw in, a screw is a great way to do that, but if you're putting the screw in, I would have taken out the nail instead of giving it the space to come back out. But what you can do if you see the nail to start backing its way out. You can take a second nail and overlap it so that, you know, the two heads would overlap. So when you drive in the second nail, it pushes that first nail back down with it and will keep it in its place because the new nail is in fresh wood, so it'll stay there. And then you go ahead and, you know, cover over and sand it and spackle it, everything, make it nice and smooth to prime and paint. But a screw really is the best way because those won't back themselves out. What do you think, in your professional opinion, I've listened to your show a lot, and uh, just as a plug for you guys, thanks a lot for all the helpful hints, but what do you think has caused those screws to pop like that, 
or nails, I should say. Normal expansion and contraction. You know, the, the, the nails that are used to attach drywall have a glue coating on them. They're like a rosin coating. And when you drive the nail in, it's supposed to kind of stick on the wall, but it doesn't. And as as uh, the walls expand and contract, they very often will back out. It's really typical. It would be unusual, for it, frankly, to not happen. But the key is that when it does happen, if you just drive it back in, it's going to happen all over again. But if you were to overlap the uh, the old nail head with the new nail head so that you're not creating sort of a second nail and a second nail hole that's holding it in place, that's effective. Or you pull out the drywall uh, nail altogether and replace it with a drywall screw and it will never pull out. The fact that you put the screw two or three inches from uh, from the old one uh, you know, will help keep that board tight, but it's not going to stop the drywall nail from expanding and tracking and pushing itself back out, as you've learned. You just you really need to sort of reinforce it by overlapping the heads with a new nail. That sounds good. And I think um, from what I've seen, if we pull the old nail and put a screw in a ways away, I think that's the best solution because then we don't have any possibility of of anything happening there again and um, doing away with a situation completely. Trial and error is the best, right? Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you for the great show. All right. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right. Now we're going to Mel in Arkansas who's got a question about a shower. What can we do for you today? Well, we need to change a tub into a shower, and it is for a handicapped person that uses a shower chair, and everything that we are finding so far is a fiberglass-type stuff that is not rated for the person's weight that's going to have to be using it, and they use a shower chair. Any suggestions on how to stabilize it so that it's not going to break through when the shower chair goes in it? You're you're looking at zero threshold showers that basically are flush with the floor? Not necessarily. It doesn't have to be the zero threshold, but it needs to be a shower, not a tub. Right. Okay. So when you put in a, a fiberglass shower pan... Um, you're right. There's sometimes there's flex underneath of it, but there's an easy trick of the trade to deal with that. And that is that you can mix up a, uh, a concrete mix or a cement mix or mortar mix. And basically you put it underneath the pan while it's wet and then you press the pan down into it. And what that does is it takes out all the space between the pan itself and the floor. It provides a rock solid base to that fiberglass uh, shower stall. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, Mill. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, hardwood floors are a real benefit to any home. They add beauty, durability, and value when it comes time to sell. But they do need to be refinished from time to time. And that's a project that you might want to consider hiring a pro to accomplish. We've got some tips on how to best get that project done in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Now, first up, how do you know if your floors really need replacement or refinishing? There is actually a simple test that you can do. Uh, what you want to do is go to a high-traffic area where the finish takes the most abuse and pour a tablespoon or two of water onto the floor and watch it. If the water forms beads, the floor still has plenty of seal to it. But if the water takes a few minutes to seep in and just darkens the floor slightly, that finish is partially worn and should be redone soon. And if the water soaks in right away, leaves a dark spot, it's definitely time to refinish. So just do the water test a little bit and then watch what happens. 
All right. Now, if you do have to refinish that floor, it's a pretty big job. And while you might be able to do it yourself, it's probably not one that you're going to want to. Now, the process starts with removing all of that old finish. And that's one area that we see well-meaning DIYers get themselves into a real jam. I mean, the tools that do this are kind of heavy duty. And if you're not comfortable with how they work, you can cause some problems. I mean, it really does. The pros are so skilled with it. And if you mess up, you could be staring at a deep, ugly gouge for pretty much the rest of the days that you were in that house. Yeah. Next, let's talk about refinishing the floor after it's sanded. That is a big job in and of itself. It's got to be done right. If you're restaining the floor, the color you see in the store is rarely the color that you will see when you apply it to your floor. Now, the age of the floor has to be considered because when you combine that with an old finish, you get different absorption rates, and that's what's going to cause the stain to sink in differently and the finish to sink in differently. And and to try to keep it looking nice and even takes some skill. Plus, the finishes the pros apply, they're often tougher than what you can actually find in a home center or a paint store, and they dry quicker, and they get you back to a newly finished room as fast as possible. And that's today's Pro Project, presented by HomeAdvisor. They really do have the best local pros for any home service. That's right. doesn't matter what the project is. They make it fast and easy to find top local pros for your projects. Plus, now they offer clear, upfront pricing and over 100 everyday projects. To get started, just download the HomeAdvisor app today. Taylor, North Dakota, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have a two-story house. I live in uh, North Dakota, and uh, I have a two-story house uh, that it has a forced air system, and it's just not getting uh, the cooling up to the second floor and the heating up to the second floor like uh, I feel it should. I had a, a contractor come in, and they recommended a product to me that I was wondering if you guys had any, any knowledge on it. It's it's a product called AeroSeal, um, where they they actually seal the ductwork um, from the inside, and they claim that it'll it'll seal up the ductwork and get me more airflow. Is this guy an AeroSeal dealer? Uh, correct. Okay, so my only concern here is the reason that you're not having adequate heating and cooling on the second floor is due to a a core error in the sizing of the system. And while duct systems can certainly be leaky, I doubt that that's your entire problem, Taylor. I think that there's an issue with the design here that's at the core of this. And while that's kind of a nice thing to do, and yeah, it'd probably help a little bit, I don't necessarily think that's the first thing I would do at all. I think you ought to talk to some other HVAC contractors, and really what they need to do is look at a heat loss calculation here and figure out how much air you're moving up there, making sure you have enough supply air going up there, making sure you have adequate return ducts, that nothing is blocked or disconnected. This is the second company that came in. The first company actually recommended for me to talk to this company because he he felt the same way, actually. Well, why do they think that your, that your duct system is so leaky that's causing this problem? I mean, certainly leaking ducts can contribute to it, but I don't think, I really, really don't think it's the main cause here. I can't imagine it's so inefficient that your ducts are so poorly put together that simply sealing them is going to solve this problem. You have a very significant uh, issue with inadequate heating and cooling getting the second floor of the house. So I, I think is is an issue of airflow. Is it's an issue of design, and you know I would explore ways that that can be improved. And if you can't easily improve it, then what you might want to think about is adding supplemental heating and cooling to the second floor, uh, vis-a-vis, for example, a split ductless system, which would 
could could supply both warm air and and cool air depending on the design the model that you that you uh, get but i don't think this is all about duct defects in terms of leaky ducts i think this is a design defect that you have to just haven't uh, nailed it yet okay taylor does that make sense all right sounds good all right good luck with that project thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit Bonnie in Pennsylvania is on the line with a dippy driveway. Tell us what's going on. Well, our driveway was asphalt originally, and it's probably like 30, 40 years ago. And there really isn't much left to it now. But most of it is fine. It stays solid. But um, this one part, two parts actually have great big dips in them. So you you kind of go down in, and the water collects in there. So I was wondering what we could fill that in with. It's not like the rest of the driveway is kind of not existent now, but it's not a prop. Well, at least you have a speed bump built into your driveway, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Probably safer <laughs> that way. Yeah. If you've got a 30- or 40-year-old driveway, I mean, that driveway doesn't really owe you any money. You, you can, you know, patch it. You can have it professionally patched with more asphalt material. But my concern is that whatever's causing that dip is an underlying problem, and it's just going to reform over and over again. I mean, once you start to get a dip, of course, the water gets in there and it sort of exacerbates it. But I think your options are to uh, to top coat that driveway, which you could do with more asphalt material. It's a professional pr- um, project. It's not one you can do yourself. Or if you want to go ahead and, and invest the, the time and the money right now, you could just tear it out and build it again. Uh, when it gets to be that age, it really does have to be replaced. If you think about it, you know, roads have to be replaced uh, far more frequently than that. But uh, as you got a 30 or 40 year old driveway, it's probably uh, you know, reached the end of a normal life cycle and it's time for it to be torn out and completely replaced, not, not top coated. But you could buy yourself some time by doing the top coat application. Could you just fill it in with stone or something for now or no? No, because it's just going to fall out. <laughs> you know, it's not really a do it yourself project. You have to put more asphalt, you know, mixed with stone uh, under pressure, rolled over it. Uh, but my concern about, you know, recoding a driveway that's that old is it's just not going to last that long. Yeah. There's nothing much left to recode. Right. Yeah. So it's not worth it. Okay, Bonnie? Okay. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Well, if you're looking to take the edge off your monthly bills, you might be able to squeeze some extra savings from a surprising place, your homeowner's insurance bill. Now, it does require some upfront spending, but if you invested in the right place, you could be looking at savings for years to come. Yeah, and here's why. Insurance companies end up paying out a lot for water damage, so they're going to reward you with lower rates for making sure it doesn't happen in the first place. So, for example, if you were to replace rubber hoses on your washing machine with the kind that are called no-burst. They're braided stainless steel hoses. You can save up to 10%. Now, if you live in an area that's prone to high winds, a tougher garage door can actually slash your monthly premiums. And if you install a hurricane-resistant door or buy a retrofit solution that strengthens your existing one, you'll see savings as well. And if you'd like a complete list of projects that can lower your home insurance costs, we've got it. Just go to moneypit.com. Kendall in Arkansas is on the line with a question about carpeting. What can we do for you today? Taking a porch and, and screening it in, and I've got two by sixes laid down as a floor over uh, over about a three foot high uh, crawl space under my house. Okay. And I'm going to put indoor outdoor carpet down, and I just want, need to be concerned whether or not I need to put something underneath that, some sort of underlayment for maybe moisture barrier or even critter barrier. So what are you constructing th- this floor of? It's a porch. It's a covered. It's a covered oh, area it's a covered of my porch. deck. Okay. Yeah. It's a covered deck, and I'm just taking in the covered area and making it a screen porch. I see. Okay, but I, but I don't water in. I don't want water intrusion, uh, nor do I want to 
lay down carpet that's going to end up becoming moldy or something underneath it. Yeah, indoor-outdoor carpeting does tend to hold a lot of water and moisture and dampness against the wood and certainly can contribute towards decay. Uh, is this porch going to be fully covered? Yes, it's com- it is completely covered. In fact, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to set in plexiglass on the bottom, uh, okay. you know, three feet of the, the height of the walls. For for the sake of uh, you know any potential rain to come in through the sides, I think I'm okay there. My concern, I guess, is just if it's going to you know develop a a condensation issue or something beneath the, the the carpet that I'm putting down. Look, it's always possible. I'll give you one suggestion that is a little unorthodox, but I think it would work as long as you cover you're covering this with the indoor outdoor carpet. Why not lay down ice and water shield across the porch floor? It's usually used on a roof. And it provides complete moisture barrier between uh, right underneath the roofing shingles. But if you put that down and uh, and then covered it with the carpet, that would give you an additional protection for the structure. And you could always scrape it back up if you had to. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right, we've got a post here from Chris who writes, We're in the process of remodeling our 1940s house. All of the existing doors have mortise-style locks, antique knobs, and back plates that are original to the house. However, all of the keys are missing. I of want course. to keep the locking mechanism <laughs> and the antique plates because they look they look great. Is there a way to keep using these and add new locks? You know, a lot of companies and websites like House of Antique Hardware have been created to kind of fill that void for for situations just like this, um, most people are going to use reproductions of antiques rather than the original due to the changes, but you may be better off just replacing the lock by purchasing one that's an antique design because i got to tell you, even if you find those new parts, it's going to take a lot to get it working well, and it's going to be expensive. <laughs> but you know what? You're going to love the way they look, Chris, and they'll seem really authentic and historically accurate. You'll especially love them because they cost a lot. <laughs> it makes you love it more. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you'd like to update the look of dull bedroom furniture, a lacquered dresser or a chest of drawers can do just that. And the sheen does not have to stop there. Leslie's got tips on adding high gloss for high style in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? That's right. You know, the lacquer look is popping up again, but wood that's finished with lacquer does need proper prep, and that includes sanding and sealing. Now, before you apply the lacquer, you've got to clean thoroughly that wood with a tack cloth. You want to use only aerosol spray lacquer and really be sure to protect that work area with drop cloths, newspapers, whatever it is to just sort of protect the surrounding off-spray zone, and make sure that you're working in a very well-ventilated space. Now, when it comes to the application you want to apply the lacquer slowly and evenly and hold that spray can about 18 inches from the surface of the project any further than that you're going to get that sort of orange peel look where that lacquer kind of gets a dimpled finish and if you're closer you're going to notice that the lacquer is going to build up in certain spots or you'll get runs or sags so maybe practice on something and sort of find that sweet spot where you feel comfortable spraying and delivering the right amount of application because it's about layers here guys So get comfortable and start in. Now, as you work, you want to overlap the lacquer spray pattern slightly, several thin coats. That is what's going to deliver you the highest gloss look, as opposed to a couple of really heavy ones. You also need to follow instructions and let them dry these layers completely before you put the next coat on. Now, lastly, while that lacquer can be used on most woods, you cannot use it on mahogany or rosewood because there's oils in these woods that are going to bleed through the 
the finish. And it also can't be used over a certain existing finish, maybe if there's an oil-based stain or if you've got a lot of wood filler. Either way, if you've got the right material for a lacquer project, it is amazing and it's gorgeous and it really does make a statement. I have always done a lacquered handrail on the banister in like a great deep color like oxblood or black. I mean, you can do something so cool with lacquer, so experiment with it, have some fun and get in on this trend. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, if you're looking for more storage space, adding an attic floor might be the perfect project. But if you don't get it right, you could ruin your insulation or even damage the home's structure. We'll walk you through the options on the very next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit.